Welcome to Perfectly Imperfect, a podcast on mental health for folks of color. I'm your host, John Zell Anderson, licensed professional counselor. I'm the owner of Panoramic Counseling, where I specialize in treating teens and young adults in Richmond, Virginia, and throughout the Commonwealth of Virginia through online counseling. Let's get into the show. This episode is part of a summer book club that I'm hosting on this podcast. In efforts to read and write more on topics related to race and injustice, I decided to log out of my Instagram account for the summer, and I'm instead focusing my time and energy here. Thanks for joining me on this journey. Hi, everyone. The next book in the Summer Book Club series is called How the Word is Passed by Clint Smith. This is going to be a multiple-part series, so to kind of get started, I want to read a part of the author's prologue to this book to kind of give you an overview of what this book is going to be about. So, quote, In How the Word is Passed, I travel to eight places in the United States as well as one abroad to understand how each reckons with its relationship to the history of American slavery. I visit a mix of plantations, prisons, cemeteries, museums, memorials, houses, historical landmarks, and cities. Each chapter is a portrait of a place, but also of the people in that place, those who live there, work there, and are the descendants of the land and of the families who once lived on it. They are the people who have tasked themselves with telling the story of that place outside traditional classrooms and beyond the pages of textbooks. They are, formally or informally, public historians who carry with them a piece of this country's collective memory. They have dedicated their lives to sharing this history with others. And for this book, many of them have generously shared that history with me. End quote. So the chapter that I'm going to be talking about today is titled, There's a Difference Between History and Nostalgia, Monticello Plantation. This plantation is interesting to me as a reader because I live in the state of Virginia and uh, Monticello isn't too far from where I live. It seems like a lot of these places that the author is going to be covering in this book is going to be illuminating a lot of the history that isn't taught in the schools. So I'm definitely looking forward to, to digging into this. So today's episode is going to be about Monticello and obviously Thomas Jefferson and some of the background there. So the first quote is going to be talking about Thomas Jefferson and James Madison. Quote, Madison's plantation, less than 30 miles northeast of Jefferson's, is almost a prelude to Monticello, not simply as a result of their relative proximity, but because the two men share similarly contradictory relationships to the aspirational documents they ushered into existence while enslaved people worked on their plantations. The Madison family held more than 300 enslaved people over the course of their time on that property. Both of the men inscribed words that promoted equality and freedom in the founding documents of the United States while owning other human beings. Both men built a nation while making possible plunder of millions of people. What they gave our country and all they stole from it must be understood together. End quote. I'm sure that a lot of people can relate with the 
sentiment that we weren't taught depth in the history that we learned in school. This chapter was very illuminating for me to kind of see the other side, what we weren't taught in school. So here's one that really stood out to me. Quote, Jefferson gave presents to his kids and grandkids. Those presents were human beings among the enslaved community, end quote. As I was reading this chapter, there's a trend through the history of Thomas Jefferson. He seemed to be pretty bad with money, so he was constantly trying to maintain a luxurious lifestyle. And when the debtors came to collect, sometimes he would have to sell his slaves to pay off debts. Even after he passed away, there was an auction at Monticello to settle all of his debts with the debtors. It's still very surreal to me that human life is equated to that of cash. So as the the author is interviewing tour guides and staff at Monticello, he takes a moment to discuss the resilience of the enslaved people that lived their entire lives and generations out on this plantation. Quote, what reverberated throughout was the humanity of the enslaved people, their unceasing desire to live a full life, one that would not be defined simply by their forced labor. Despite the horror and oppression of slavery, they're trying to carve out some kind of a normal life. They are passing on tradition. They are giving their kids a chance to learn and a chance to play. Maybe they're even trying to shield those children from the reality. End quote. It's always good to take a minute to consider the humanity and the resilience that must have came out of these horrific times. Now we're going to get into the recurrent pattern of splitting up families. Quote, The splitting of families was not peripheral to the practice of slavery. It was central. Historian Edward Bonekemper estimates that over the course of chattel slavery's existence, about one million enslaved people were separated from their families. Jefferson separated children as young as 13 from their parents by sale, bought children as young as 11, and separated children under 10 from their families by transferring them between his own properties or giving them to family members as gifts. Jefferson believed himself to be a benevolent slave owner, but his moral ideas came second to and were always entangled with his own economic interest and the interest of his family. But absolution, in Jefferson's case, could never be attained by simply refusing to participate in the most heinous aspects of slavery. To own an enslaved person was to perpetuate the barbarism of the institution, and when he felt it necessary to maintain the order that made his life possible, Jefferson engaged in some of the very practices he claimed to so deeply abhor. End quote. With all of the reading and digging that I've been doing so far this year, my eyes are really being open to some of the heroes, and I say that in air quotes, that were taught about in school. The two that come to mind, obviously, is Thomas Jefferson, but also Abraham Lincoln. The day that I uh, am recording this episode, it is uh, Juneteenth. And, you know, I've been reading a lot about Juneteenth and kind of the history surrounding it. Until this year, I wasn't 
aware that the Emancipation Proclamation wasn't just something that Abraham Lincoln like really championed for because he thought slavery was bad and wanted to end slavery. I've actually read some of Abraham Lincoln's speeches and writings where he was very clear about his beliefs that black people were an inferior race and that it wasn't possible to coexist in a society with black people. And the same thing can be said about Thomas Jefferson. So here's a quote. Jefferson believed that it was impossible for blacks and whites to live peacefully alongside one another after the emancipation of the enslaved. Stating in his 1821 autobiography, the two races, equally free, cannot live in the same government. Nature, habit, opinion has drawn indelible lines of distinction between them. End quote. I've mentioned a couple of times this summer that part of this history deep dive has been a express unlearning process and relearning process for me. So definitely enjoying the journey. The awareness, like I always tell my clients in therapy, is the first step. Uh, we have to be aware in order to change and grow. Before I wrap up this review on the chapter about Monticello, I did want to share some passages that I read about the tour guides and the staff at Monticello. The author Clint Smith visited Monticello several times and interviewed the tour guides and kind of got a glimpse into like the training process that goes into being able to work there and stuff like that. Quote, at the time of my visit of the 89 tour guides, only four of them were black, and three of the four were part of the incoming class that had yet to officially begin their jobs. Over the past dozen years, there have been only about 10 in total. This is a place where Monticello falls short, but said that it is not for lack of effort. They point out a number of barriers, including the way black guides are treated by visitors. It's been challenging because people say some pretty insensitive and unbelievable things, said Brandon. Linnea told a story of a younger black woman guide who worked at Monticello for about two years and experienced a range of challenges, including harassment from visitors, people asking her on dates, and even people coming up and asking, oh, are you related to Sally Hemings? Another staff member was sitting in the cafe when a white woman who had just completed a tour came up from behind, hugged her, weeping, and said, I'm sorry for slavery. Another guide, David, sees it as essential that a guide be able to find the balance between telling the truth and not pushing people so much that they shut down. He told me that when you challenge people, specifically white people's conception of Jefferson, you're in fact challenging their conception of themselves. I've come to realize that there's a difference between the history and nostalgia, and somewhere between those two is memory, he said. I think that history is the story of the past using all the available facts, and that nostalgia is a fantasy about the past using no facts, and somewhere in between is memory. History is kind of about what you need to know, but nostalgia is what you want to hear, end quote. 
be sure to come back for the next episode where I will share some of the insights that I got from this book's chapter on the Whitney plantation. So thank you so much for listening today. And until the next time, take care. Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast. And best of all, it's free. They offer creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor also distributes your podcast so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, and many more. Did I mention that you can make money from your podcast no matter the size of your following? Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. If you enjoyed this episode, you can support this podcast by buying me a coffee. The link is in this episode's show notes. Thanks in advance.